Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin. All right, guys, on this week's episode, I have a really exciting cybersecurity expert, uh, also known as Double O. Um, She currently is a certified information security manager who works for a government agency as a contractor. In addition to that cybersecurity uh, expertise, she is also engaged in blockchain, which I'm really happy to bring to you guys so you guys can really understand what that is. You guys have heard it in the news lately, possibly, you know, not just related to cryptocurrency, but also related to the potentials of voting. So it's a really important thing that we should be learning about. In addition, she works with young women and really introducing them to STEM, bringing them up into this environment, which I think is important for not just having women in those positions. But, you know, obviously, again, for this level of equality, we have to start somewhere. And it is a place that we are highly ignored. Okay. This highly respected cybersecurity and risk management expert, Olenka Oniren. 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 Okay. Got it. (laughs) Welcome, Olenka. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I apologize for the 15 versions of the intro I just did, and it still wasn't good. So I'm going to be doing it after this conversation yet again. (laughs) But welcome. Welcome. I know that we have a lot of ground to cover, and I think actually everything you're doing is super important. And I know before this conversation, I asked if you were an ethical hacker and you mentioned you are not hacking anything yet, but I can't wait for the day because I am sitting on money like hundreds of millions of other people who we've all lost our keys to some of our our crypto accounts. Yay us! (laughs) I just hope it all doesn't fall apart before someone figures that one out. You're not alone. There's a lot of people out there who lost their keys. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, But tell me a little bit about your background. Okay. So um, I actually, I started in a weird way and found myself in cybersecurity and blockchain. Um, I actually come from uh, more of a regulatory background. I was a financial advisor at one point. And then um, spent majority of my life being a chief compliance officer or in the compliance um, realm of the financial industry. And so I was deemed to be like the bad cop. You know, when compliance comes around, everybody doesn't want to talk to compliance. It's always like, oh, my God, no. (laughs) But um, as a five foot two petite person, but with a loud voice, um, I, I got to change the dynamics of compliance everywhere I went. And so people didn't really see me as a threat, more as a friendly face and an individual that they could work with. So I took that and I started um, providing more educational um, training to individuals because I felt that in order for my job to be secure and also to secure the company, it's important to train the employees. So that was my approach to making compliance a little bit more friendly. And then from there, um, my last job was a chief compliance officer for a global firm. Um, But then I went back to school and um, I got interested in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. 
really yeah. because yeah. the SEC started saying that cybersecurity was um, something that chief compliance officers should focus on when it comes to the financial industry. Because, you know, since we're all doing business on the Internet, there's always that threat that something, a bad actor or something's going to happen. And at that time, um, as a compliance officer, one of the things that we always are afraid of is that the wrong individual will call into um, uh, the call center and request accounts to be uh, withdrawn um, and, you know, pretend that they are that individual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, next thing you know, the firm is facing a lawsuit because they wired money to the wrong person. And so now when you go online, that threat, it's even more, it's greater now, right? Because then everyone is perpetrating like, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're coming with bad intent, right? And so, um, you know, nowadays we have people being hacked, ransomware, malware, et cetera. So financial industry, that's, you know, the livelihood is that you maintain trust between yourself and a company. I'm sorry, yourself and a client. And so if you eliminate that trust, um, there goes your client. So one thing that we have to make sure and that the SEC wanted to reaffirm is that it's our, also our responsibility and it's not just IT. Yeah. And so I took that as a call, took arms, so to speak, and went back to school to get my master's in cybersecurity management and policy. And I fell in love with cybersecurity. I saw that there was a, a great transition between what my role was as a compliance officer and what a cybersecurity expert's role is in helping firms maintain not only the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of data, uh, which could be anything, you know, right? Um, but also making sure that people understand what their role is when it comes to securing um, the, that data and the firm. And so, um, once I fell in love with it, decided to quit my job and started my own company. <laughs> I know this is awesome. Tell us a little bit about this company. What's the name and, and what are you guys doing? What's the focus? Yes. Yeah, so SciSec Watch is um, is the name of my company. I started it mostly to focus on more the human aspect of cybersecurity. Because a lot of people like to push technology and products, right? Right. Um, if you tell someone that you're hacked, they'll tell you, oh, go get some semantics, antivirus, or something like that. You know? Right, right. But that doesn't solve the issue. The issue is, does the individual know what to do with that technology? Do they know how to, um, do they know that they're also involved in the way uh, bad actors or hackers infiltrate into the system, Right. Um, because if 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 I'm a um, a bad actor, I will send you, Christian, um, an email that I will try to mimic something from a previous guest of yours, right? Yep. And say, hey, I love the fact that I was in. You know, I I got to get an opportunity to interview with you on your podcast. Here's you know something that I think you should be involved in based on our discussion. And unbeknownst to you, you might end up clicking on that link. Right. That link is now leading you to, um, you know, either a site that's automatically downloading information onto your system, or just by clicking that link, you automatically gave permission for the bad actor to download uh, malware into your system so that they can, you know, stay there for a while 
sorting through all types of data within your system. And so to me, human, the human factor is really important in cybersecurity. And so my company is to provide uh, security awareness training. Um, we do a lot of um, role-based training for firms, small businesses, and also um, large businesses, just to let employees know that they're also involved in securing um, the data within the company. And also we do penetration testing. Um, I do have some individuals who are ethical hackers who do help me with that vulnerability scanning um, policies, helping you write policies. And also lastly, because technology is important, it's not the main factor of cybersecurity. Um, we do help with making sure that you have the right technology in place to be that second line of defense. First line is always human. Interesting. So let me ask you this question. I mean, you know, technology, thanks to the internet, all the stuff, it moves at such a rapid pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I live under a rock. I don't even really pay attention to the news. And yet I still know that our, you know, new codes were, were hacked or this and that. And I, I always found it interesting, first of all, that the government doesn't have like their own internal internet. I don't even know why they wouldn't, but hey, that's that's a question that's been out there since 1990 and they still just decide to hop on ours. Um, but, which by the way, could prevent a lot of stuff. But, you know, talking about this, I mean, I hear what you're saying that the first line of defense is is, is, is obviously human, but mm-hmm. are we really ever going to be as long as we're on the internet, be it by our phone or by our tablets or by our computers, ever really 100% defensible? Unfortunately, the answer is no. Yeah. Um, Like you mentioned, as long as we're on the internet, there's always going to be vulnerabilities, right? Um, There's always going to be, people are out there who are, this is their livelihood to make sure that they're able to infiltrate either, you know, a government state or, um, you know, individuals, companies, et cetera. There's bad actors out there and it's their livelihood. And day by day, they're getting smarter, better, and well-equipped, you know? So it's always going to be an issue, but we can minimize it. Yeah. Um, because oftentimes, you know, the it, you get a lot of spam, right? Yeah. And some of these spam, they're just outrageous. You get the spam where it's like, you know, I... I I, I was able to see you doing something naughty and, you know, you must pay me in Bitcoin or, you know, whatever currency it is. And you just automatically know that that's just, that's crazy. Yeah. And then people get, you know, uh, and, and I, I equate that to also people who fall for the Nigerian prince. I'm Nigerian and I hate the whole Nigerian <laughs> prince email because honestly, it doesn't, it, it, I, I understand the bad, um, you know, reputation that Nigeria has. But these emails aren't coming from Nigeria most of the time, you know, (laughs) they're coming from all over, you know, but knowing that these type of emails are out there, there's still people who fall for it day in and day out, you know, and it's obvious. Like, why would you fall for someone who say they have a lot of money in this day in in 2020, right? (laughs) And they need to move it where there's the internet, you know, tell them to put it into Bitcoin and then move it around, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but people still fall for it, you know? So there's always going to be vulnerabilities out there. We're always going to fall for some, and some of us experts, 
we still fall for it as well. Yeah, they're getting good. They're getting good. Notifications that your card declined on Netflix, UPS delivery, unable to get, they're getting, they're not stupid. They're getting better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's really funny. Like the other day, just around Christmas, my own, and I'm not sure if it was my cell phone or my laptop that ultimately got hacked, but they were able to get into my primary business email address, reroute, obviously the IP and start sending out messages. And luckily because Microsoft of all people had decent, you know, uh, security, they realized one, the IP address changed and two, all of a sudden it was sending out like 20 messages at a time. And if anybody knows me, they, they knew the, the, their AI could say like, okay, this chick gets on her, her email at 8am, maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes at two, but never from 10 to 12 emailing 20 people. Like it just, it just doesn't happen. So they locked my account, which was funny and annoying, but it was good um, because we actually could see the history of what happened. And so, you know, they actually can take over your stuff, send their illegit shit from your legit email and screw your whole network, you know? Exactly. Yeah. No, it's true. And, you know, the fact that you brought Microsoft in it, that's, you know, technology keeping up with the times, right? And in order for that to happen, it needs that human factor. You know, someone behind there is thinking, they're, they're thinking ahead of the bad actors or the hackers out there and saying, if this happens, let's make sure this also happens to prevent further, you know, issues or incident from occurring or making it widespread. But oftentimes technology, you know, it doesn't keep up that much, but I, I commend Microsoft for doing a lot. There they are trying to keep up with um, a lot of the vulnerabilities out there. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. I honestly, cause you know, my, sorry, Microsoft, my, my idea then wasn't that they were like all that up there, but I was like, Oh, it's pretty interesting, you know? Um, so it's, it's been interesting to watch them improve and, and do that. Um, so let me ask you this because you also happen to be the founder and chairwoman of black women blockchain council. I know you have an event coming up in February, um, black women and blockchain. Uh, we might not be posting this particular, uh, podcast in time for that. It is on February 4th. If we get it in awesome guys, click the link. If not, you know, we're going to set up a link and have you click to uh, her future events. But let's talk about this because blockchain is a pretty big deal. Um, why don't you tell us? Yeah. Why don't you tell us what the heck is blockchain to begin with? Okay. All right. So blockchain is basically it's a distributed ledger technology, right? And what that means is, is a technology that allows you to share information person to person without a third party. Um, and so it's decentralized. Um, so if I wanted to share any type of data with you, Christian, um, I can basically share that information instantaneously. Yep. Um, and so blockchain is that technology that allows me to do it. There's all kinds of you know codes and programs behind it, but simpler form, it just allows you to share information and also keep track of what you're sharing with that individual. And blockchain was actually the building block for Bitcoins and a lot of the cryptocurrencies that, you know, everyone is into nowadays. Um, And so because of blockchain, it allowed us to have digital currencies that we can share and um, purchase items um, with now. Um, And so my company, Black Women Blockchain Council, 
we actually started in 2018 because we felt that there was not enough um, black people in the black community who were involved in this, you know, space. Mm-hmm. And we see blockchain as a technology that's going to revolutionize a lot of stuff. Because if you think about it, here's this database or um, ledger that allows us to share information instantaneously. What can we share instantaneously? Like if I wanted to go to a doctor um, and it's not my primary care physician, I would need to request my medical records. Right. Even though they're my medical records, I don't have ownership of that records because I have to sign something to get ownership of that records to request it to be sent to, you know, um, whichever doctor. Um, and so if blockchain, one of the use cases of blockchain is having that medical record on a distributed ledger that's personalized for me. And so if I go to any doctor anywhere in the world, I'm taking that information without having a third party you know, in between us. And I'm sharing it with the doctor that I want to share it with, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it allows you to instantaneously share information, any type of information um, with anyone out there. And so that's the beauty of it. And a lot of people are thinking about different use cases for it. Um, You know, there's, as I mentioned, there's a lot of codes and a lot of, you know, additional stuff, but that's, you know, we can go into that, but that's something that, probably will take a whole while. Um, And that's what um, my, uh, the February 4th event is going to do. It's going to go into a deep dive into what is blockchain, more educational than I've presented here, and also go into Bitcoins and how people can, you know, invest in Bitcoins. It's not an investment um, event, but, um, you know, we're going to give you the breakdown of what it is, how and where, you know, of both blockchain and Bitcoin and, you know, what the future may hold for the black community and, you know, how they can get involved in this revolution that's slowly starting to happen. It's not just us that's talking about it, they're talking about it, right? Regulators are talking about it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Athletes are getting paid in it. So, hey. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's really super important because it's, it's one of these things where, you know, the opportunity is there and mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge it and take advantage of it, or we're going to create another situation where it's unequal, you know, whether that's women, whether that's, you know, black people, minorities, whatever. Um, this is one of those things. This is what I do love about technology. Um, it's one of those things where it doesn't matter where you come from, what you're doing. If you can step into it, you can have it. Mm-hmm. You uh, can have the it, difficulty yeah. here is that you know, when we look at other communities, this does still become, and I hate to be like this and people bring on the hate, but I'm just being honest. It does kind of become another rich kid, typically white kind of thing only because of access. So if you think Mm -hmm. about who has access around the globe to the internet, who has access around the globe to, you know, computers that they could use to go practice doing these things with, right? It, It does become that. And the the way that it goes right now, if you look at White Hat Junior, if you look at all of these other programming things to, to bring your kids up in, mm-hmm. they're financially, it's financially inequitable. They're, they cost thousands of dollars. You know, when you put your kid in coding class, that, I mean, I'm from New York, so I don't know what it is around the country or around the globe. But at least in New York, 
it is absolutely presented as a you better have money thing if you want your little 10, 12-year-olds to start hanging out and doing this. Um, yes. And I know because my daughter jumps in and loves to do it, right? And so it does become, again, an exclusive environment. And when the mm-hmm. environment becomes you sitting in a room as a little girl with a bunch of dudes that don't talk to you and kind of make fun of you, again, it becomes exclusive. So it's one of these areas where, guys, this is going to lead the charge potentially on all that we do, banking, yes. credit, be, get, being paid, buying shit, everything. So it is important yeah. that you at least understand it. You might not have interest in it, but you know, kind of like finances, kind of like taxes. You might not be interested, but you better damn well understand what it's doing so that you don't damage yourself in the future, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, but I'm old enough to remember when the internet you know, came around, right? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when when the internet was introduced, the World Wide Web, www, you know, um, a lot of people didn't understand the technology, right? Um, but then we didn't need to understand the technology. We just know that we needed to have some kind of presence on this technology, right? And so I I like to go back to the the first time that I realized that this technology is going to be something big. When mattress.com <laughs> came about, I was like, oh my God, everybody and their mama is getting hooked.com, you know? And so, and nowadays people don't even think about the internet and how it's, you know, coded and how it works and all these things. It's just a common thing that we use now, you know, it's a standard yeah. for a lot of us. And so I believe blockchain will be the same thing. And like you mentioned, it's important that everyone is included. And no one is excluded. And so that's why BWBC started, because I felt that, you know, as a Black woman, it's important for me to look around and see people who look like me in this space. I didn't want it to be like the same tech space where, you know, there's not a lot of us or we're just or the assumption is we're just not interested. We are interested. And there's a lot of us in this space and who are doing great things. And so we're promoting you know, Black women projects in blockchain or cryptocurrencies. We're also educating the community. And that's why we have this um, event coming up on the 4th. Um, we're providing STEM-related programs to underage girls out there so that they could be introduced to STEM awesome. and get that feel. Because sometimes, you know, you're you're interested in something only because you've had that awareness or your right, introduction, exposure, into, right, right? Right. And if you don't know what's out there, you're not going to be able to envision, you know, and and use law of attraction to make it happen for you, right? right. And so it's important for everyone to be aware of what's out there and how it can be attainable. And uh, one thing that we do with our program is not only showcase the technologies or the different STEM-related professions. But what we do is we present it from a female perspective. So we have female profession professionals in this event, in this space, who will come on and provide training to young girls so that they can see themselves, yeah. you know, in the presenter. Um, yeah, it, awesome. It's important. You know, we're moving towards something great. We're moving towards a technology that's, you know, going to revolutionize a lot of us. And what we know today, the way that life is today is going to change. Um, I, I like to to say that, you know, when I was growing up, I watched the Jetsons, 
Yeah. And the Jetsons was like the epitome of what the future was going to be. Flying cars, robot maids. It was just going to be great, right? And so when the year 2020 came about, I'm expecting all this, you know? <laughs> But think about this. <laughs> we're not we're not far. We're not far. We have dancing exactly. robots that can that exactly. can clean your house, do your stuff. We even even if you go miniature, we got the Roomba. It's not quite Roomba, it's yes. not quite there yet, right? But we have pet I dogs think, that are robots, yeah. like actual, yeah. you know. I mean, like they've they've yeah. done Those a are lot. Scary, though. Yeah, well, did you see the ones that were dancing? I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, even though it's great. There are some scary aspects. I think it's probably too, we've been trained with too much movie. Terminator. But I do look forward to, you know, the maid, you know, robot maid or whatever I made. Or until she gives you attitude. It. Until she yeah. gives you attitude. Yeah, you're all about it until she flips that switch and it's like, what? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I look forward, especially now that we're in a pandemic and it's like you're constantly cleaning, cooking or something. I oh, my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm infamous for never having gone like grocery shopping, never really cleaning, not doing laundry. Dude, it's been, it's been interesting. (laughs) I learned how to cook. I kind of learned how to cook. I mean, I learned how to like, like Google it and actually get the stuff and actually make it. And it actually tasted good. And I get, and I get like these shipment boxes of things that are already pre-cut and stuff. So I've actually learned. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Yes. Blockchain. Mm-hmm. ultimately hackable or you think not um i okay my cybersecurity mind frame is thinking nothing is you know unhackable right, right? right, right. it is immutable which means that you know there's a cryptography that's written into it and and the standard way of trying to hack something you can't yeah however there are technologies out there that is being built like the quantum um, uh, computer, okay, yeah, um, yeah. because of its ability to quickly, you know, um, create codes and quickly manipulate codes and, um, um, cryptography and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. It has the potential, Yeah, has the potential, um, to penetrate a uh, blockchain. However, as of yet, there is nothing right now. <laughs> as of yet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Famous last word. <laughs> um, okay. Question. Quickly. Positives and negatives of using blockchain and voting. Ooh. Okay. So um, what is it? Two or three years ago, there was a company, a, a country in, nine, in, sorry, I want to say Nigeria, in <laughs> Africa, in Africa that claimed that they did. Um, I think it's, I think once we get to a point where you know, the, the, the issues have been eliminated. It's been tried and it's, it's gotten to a point where we're 99% sure that this can work. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. I think a lot of the, the, um, the issue that we faced in the 2020 election, where people were saying certain votes were illegitimate, mm-hmm. um, you know, we will be able to address that because one thing about blockchain is that you can see everything, Right. So it's not, um, it's, it's, it's a great um, foundation for things like voting because voting, you want to, you want to look at the accuracy, accountability, you know, you, you want to be able to trace that everything 
is done accurately so that it can't be contested. So if we move to um, using blockchain in a voting um, process, I think it will be great because everyone can see everything. Right. There's no room for error, you know, no room for um, conspiracy theories. Right? Well, I have um, one for you, though. Think about this. Yeah. Coming back to your point that the first, the first place is human, I think mm-hmm. my thing would probably be we would need to secure identity first, meaning like, okay, just take me, I'm an Asian person. Okay. No offense. Sometimes we, yes, we do all look alike. I got it. Okay. People, I got you. I got your comments. All right. Sometimes I get you, but you know, we could easily take an idea of someone else and create that. Now it would be limited in that you couldn't have two Kirsten Franklin's vote in two different States because hopefully they would lock that down. Um, Mm. I can tell you that the manual process so far is riddled with error only because some of us have gotten two voting forms for absentee ballots from two different states in one state we don't even live in and haven't lived in for over a decade. Right? I mean, weird things happen. So I think it would be that, I think coming back to what you were saying, actually, when talking about cybersecurity, is that the first aspect of that is actually coming down to the human aspect. And how do we really really understand that. And and like you're saying just now, kind of hopefully we've gotten through all those tests and all of those, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. things. But I mean, that would probably be the only thing that I see is on either the front end or the back end, someone screwing it up because the process is clean, right? Like from, and you're right. And you're right. Um, you know, be, blockchain things doesn't just magically appear on it. <laughs> it does need a, you know, you need to input, information into it right so the, the the there's room for error during that process yeah so it could be that you know during the voting process the wrong information or wrong data is input into it um but there is ability for the system if the codings are correct to cross check a lot of the data against other things that will you know mm. basically verify that information and that's why I say when we get to that 99%, I think it could work. There's a lot of room for error. And it's always in that, you know, the initial process right. of inputting the data. Because it's always, it's we're, we're lying on data. We're lying on the data to be accurate when it's inputted into yeah. the technology. I just started laughing because I had the funniest thing pop in my head. Nobody do this, please, in the future. But I could just imagine one party. I'm not going to name which parties or anything because I really don't care. But I could imagine one party going out, stealing all your phones and taking the votes. (laughs) 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 Take your phone! (laughs) Because <laughs> you know it's going to be an app. You know it's going to be an app. Oh, yeah, good, it, good lord! It's going to be something, <laughs> right? All right, awesome, awesome. So tell, tell you know, I, I, we'll set, we'll put in the links below as to how we can reach out to you, find out more. Um, I really love the stuff that you have going on with respect to education, uh, not just about blockchain but cybersecurity. Um, what would be sort of the lasting? the last sort of thing you want to leave us with, with regards to cybersecurity and blockchain? Um, I guess I can go to wallets, right? With everyone getting into cryptocurrencies and you want to buy your own um, Bitcoin or share of Bitcoin or Ethereum or any other cryptocurrencies out there, one thing you need to understand is that when you purchase a cryptocurrency, there are two keys that you're getting. There Don't is, lose them. <laughs> right? Don't lose them. Because this is like 
this is like losing your bank account, right? You can't um, get and, them back. There's no, you, there's no hit. Never, yeah. There's no bank to go to. Um, you there's no hackers to go to. <laughs> exactly. Right. So everything, it's like everything that we rely on the banks to do, it's all on us. Right. Yeah. So those two keys, the public key and the private key, you have to hold them like dear life. Okay. Um, and secure them, especially the private key, the private key is basically the open door to all your assets. You never want to share the private key. That's the reason why it's called private. You never want to share the private key with anyone. But you also want to make sure that it's in a secure place that you can remember. There's a lot of people that have lost their um, currencies because they can't seem to remember what their private key, what their codes are. Guilty. To gain access to um, their wallet. And so you want to make sure that you don't lose that. Um, another thing is, you know, with the way things are right now, um, it's important to start thinking about including those assets into your will and, yeah. and, and you know, making sure that future generations have access to it. Um, you know, there, there's really nothing as of yet that I can suggest that will allow you to um, write um, and actually give it to someone else or write it as a last will and testament to yeah. someone else, except for the fact that, you know, in your will, you probably have to not necessarily write your private key right there, but make some kind of um, um, provide some kind of instructions as to how they can get that information. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's important. You know, there's, there's, there's so many ways for people to lose their digital currencies. Um, and, you know, you just have to be cognizant that everything relies on you. And the cybersecurity aspect is, you know, how, how are you thinking of cybersecurity when you're online and uh, when you're securing or accessing your wallet? Are you going to the right uh, website? Are you entering the right keys? Um, a friend of mine, Simpson William, always says your public key is like your house key, right? The house key, you can, you, you take it everywhere, right? But your um, private key is the inside of your home. You don't let everyone into the inside of your home, right? Mm. Um, only those who need to know. Um, and when I say the inside of your home, I'm basically saying not just the front door <laughs> or right, the little right, lips, right. but, you know, the inside, you know, right. so that's private to you. Right. And so, you know, you want to make sure that you have a different mindset when it comes to being in this space, because there's a lot of pitfalls and, you know, but there's a lot of great things to, to experience in this space as well. So do your due diligence, you yeah. know, and. Trust but verify. <laughs> verify, please. Yeah. <laughs> Don't trust everybody willingly, but verify. I got one for you too is remember yeah. if you put your wallet on your laptop or you put it somewhere and you have to like get another one, you want to delete that. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> no. Hmm. Um, awesome. I have really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, I hope you. to have you on again in the future. Uh, definitely keep us posted on the events you have coming up. Maybe we can uh, put other links in the future as well. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for your time. It's been really, really enlightening. 
Thank you, Christian. I really appreciate it. I enjoy being here and I look forward to coming back. Awesome. So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore Tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course, you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.